Praise the Lord Jesus. We have had a wonderful time with evangelist Tony Chase. I can tell you, we, uh, we've gone to breakfast and we just start talking about the things of God, sermons, uh, um, just all sorts of things. I've, just, uh, we've just had a great time sharing testimony, what God has done, and just had a great time. His ministry, his preaching, outstanding. We've had a blessed, blessed time. And like I said, I really do believe, turning point, when I was in Chicopee, Pastor John Gooding came and it was a turning point. It was ju- and he was an evangelist at the time. It was just that mark. He became a pastor shortly after. So I don't know, maybe it's as men give it up and they go a pastor that preaches. But anyway, uh, it's been a great time. Let's welcome him. Open your hearts. Pastor Evangelist Tony Chase. Appreciate you, man. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your love offering. Listen, folks, we can't live without people who give. That's just a reality. It's an impossibility uh, that we don't, uh, I don't take it lightly. May God multiply that back to you a hundredfold. Amen. Thank God for you and your sacrifice in giving. The book of Ezekiel, uh, my sermon is called Death Valley and I sent him my message today and he goes, oh, how cheerful. <laughs> so cheerful. <laughs> Quit tripping. Darren. Ezekiel, and I'm going to ask you, Bible scholars, to um, kind of chill out a little bit and don't finish my sermon before me because you know this text you've heard it a million times and um, just stay on the train and don't fall off somewhere we're going to take you somewhere in Jesus name death valley Ezekiel 37 tonight and you know I'm not the greatest long term reader so you read a lot of scripture and you read a long of it you know long Somewhere in the middle there starts turning into Ebonic. So it's really good if you have your own Bible. (laughs) All the words. I'm starting to realize I'm going to have to borrow your pastor's glasses. I'm getting older. I can't see very well. And so I've been fighting it for a long time. But it's like. I told my wife the other day. I said I'm going to have to get one of them Bibles that the, the prints like half a page here pretty soon. Because man this is funny. And you guys got great lights and everything. I can't even say it's the lighting anymore. Brother's just getting blind. Going to be like Mr. Magoo up here. Ezekiel 37, everybody. Verse number one. Look at your Bibles. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. He caused me to pass by them all around and behold, they were very dry and very many open, open and the very, or very dry. See, there it goes. There it goes. Everything just went together. I started seeing kitty cats and everything else running through the scriptures. Verse number two, then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. 
Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. The skin covered them over, but there were no breath in them. So he also said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Breath came into them. They lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry and our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, prophesied, say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord and I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. And I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land, then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I have performed it, says the Lord. Father, we thank you. God, tonight, that Lord, you are God Almighty. God, you see what we cannot. God, that your eyes penetrate beyond, Father, what we can see in the natural. God, I am asking right now, God, that you would gaze upon us and God, search our hearts, minister to us. God, inspire us deeply by your word. May your word place an indelible mark upon our hearts tonight, our conscience, every one of us, that we, Father God, would be what you would call us to be. Bless this people, bless this church, every man, woman, boy and girl, arrest our attention, Father. And I'm asking for help, God, that I might minister as you would call me to minister tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, can you say amen? Death Valley tonight. Let me talk to you first about the setting. The setting. Ezekiel 37 and verse number 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. That this was a vision. That this was not literal, but a vision that God was giving his man. And the Bible says he lifted him and he carried him away from where he was. And then he sets him down in a specific place. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1, it says, he set me down in the midst of the valley. It is a valley. A valley which describes um, that they are sandwiched, if you would, between two mountains um, and they are somewhere in the midst that right there is where the Lord sets his man down in the middle of the valley. And in this valley, people have settled their lives in this valley. They began to raise um, their families. Um, They have pursued um, their careers. Here's where this vision is going to take root. 
Because in the midst of this valley where the people are, there is death and there is decay and there is dryness. There is this undeniable thirst for life. There in the valley lies the shadows that David spoke of in Psalms 23a. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here in this valley are not shadows of death but the very reality of it. Not just um, the shadows, but the substance. Um, It is the proof of it. Bones, the Bible says. Bones um, that are bleached by the openness to the sun and the elements. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1, he set me down. In the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones, many bones. And there they are for the observer to observe. They lie still where they lay. They are dry and upon them frozen forever is the the dying look of thirst upon each one. Verse number two, he caused me to pass them by all around and behold... There were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. I love the word behold. It's an incredible Bible word. Watch this. Observe. Look at this. In other words, you don't see this often. This is frightening to the eyes of the prophet. Look at how many there are. How can this be? The whole lot of bones, there's young bones, there's old bones, there's men bones, women bones, boy bones, girl bones, moms with babies. And there they are, frozen forever. They are dry and they are thirsty for life. Now again, folks, we can read scripture and just kind of read it, but if we can make this apply to us. It means so much more. You know, every one of these were looking for what they didn't find. Most folks step into the valley and find emptiness. Most folks step into the valley and they find misery. They find pain. They find despair and brokenness. You know what they say? They say get married. So they get married in the valley and they find out it's not what... I thought. They tell you, you know what, um, like Leah, I'll just have children. Maybe that will give me some attention and some love. Um, And they have children and they find out in the valley it's not what they thought. They say, well, you need some education. They go get education. They get debt and everything else. And they got their letters behind their name. But in the valley, they realize it's not what they thought there's still this desire there's still this thirst on the inside ecclesiastes 1 and verse 2 says vanity of vanities all is vanity so the setting tonight is that of all of humanity if you would in a valley consumed by death and there is no life there is no life every single one of them looks the same they're all the same Death is upon them. And the text says, he set me down in the valley full of bones. And they were very dry. 
Let me talk to you secondly about the memory of God. Memory is conjuring up the incidences and occurrences from the past. Memory. It's recalling. It's bringing to the forefront of your mind or my mind things that have occurred. You don't remember things from the future. Remember things from the past. It's recollecting. I remember that. I remember that. I remember. Yeah, I remember. Ezekiel 37 and verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bone. Listen to me, folks. God knows the story of each pile of bones that lies in the dust of the valley. God knows the story of each lifeless pile of dry bones. It represents a life that was alive at some point. It represents a life that lived in the valley. A life that laughed in the valley. A life that had dreams in the valley. A life that pursued longings and desires and aspirations in the valley. A life that had destiny and had a call in the valley. And God, who set Ezekiel down in that valley, knew the story of every pile Ezekiel is looking at. God knew the story of every broken-hearted individual. Ezekiel verse 2, 37 and 2. He, he, he caused me to pass by them all around. Can I just pause and ask you, what do you see when you're walking around in the valley? He caused me to pass by them. I wonder tonight... What was in the heart of God for this? What was in God's heart? Why would God take Ezekiel from wherever he was and in spirit, lift him in a vision, drop him down? What was in God's heart to make him walk all around all of this and take it in? Not from afar. It's not like God set him on the mountaintop and gave him some binoculars. (laughs) But up close, he set me down in the midst of them. I can imagine Ezekiel walking around and as he's walking around looking at this one. I can imagine Ezekiel walking over here and looking at that one. I can imagine him gathering his his senses and trying to think to himself, man, what is this? As he's staring at each one, observing maybe a family of bones. See, God knows the story of each pile. God knows the story of possibility that lies in the dust right there. God knows the joys that have been robbed from this one right here. He has no clue, but God knows. 
God knows the story of agony and loss that comes from this one. God knows the story of horror and pain that comes. God knows the story of shattered dreams from this one over here. God knows where the missing pieces are to the bones that are over here because it's been split apart by those over there yet gathered together in the same valley. God knows. And maybe because God knows as Ezekiel is walking around as God's man, some of what's in God's heart is being impressed into the thoughts of Ezekiel as well. Maybe. Maybe as he's walking around and I'm taking liberties, but follow me. Maybe as he's walking around, some of the thoughts that God has towards this one and towards that one and towards these ones over here are being impressed in into him as well. Exodus, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And I know their sorrows. I know their sorrows, God says. God said, I know their hurt. I know their pain. So God's coming upon a man. Listen to me carefully, please. God's memory is not just to cause him to recollect and smile. God's memory moves his heart. Come on, are y'all hearing me tonight? God's memory moves his heart. The widow of Nain, as far as I know, this is the only story... The only time Jesus is unasked by anyone and uninvited by the family, but he literally moves. He's passing by, and as he's passing by, the entire city and town is coming out. There's the widow woman, no name, the widow of name. Her only child is in this casket, going to be a tough life for this woman. No one to tend to her. There is no social security. There is no help from no one. She is weeping, and as she's weeping, obviously, the heart of God who knows her story. Can understand that this is her only child. There is none other. She's going to have a hard life. And this moves his heart because he remembers her story. He himself um, touches the casket, raises the boy without invitation. Why? Well, because he's God. Why didn't he do that for everyone? Come on, y'all hear me tonight. His heart was moved. Jesus on the cross. He's on the cross, and as he's on the cross, he is making a maneuver. You know what that maneuver was? I wrote a whole Mother's Day sermon off of this. He looks, he's paying the penalty. He is on his last little breaths here. And he looks through those swollen eyes and sees mom there. And all of a sudden he realizes, I'm the firstborn. It's going to be a rough life for her. 
And what does he say? John, this is your mother. And the Bible says when he saw that John took Mary to himself, then he said, it is finished. Folks, this is profound. You listen to me. When he saw this man move to this woman, because this was his heart, he can complete the task. When God's heart is moved, he looks to move his man. Hello, somebody. When God's heart is moved, he looks to move his man. David Wilkerson said, when God wants to change a situation, he takes a man out of the masses and takes him down to the river and baptizes him in anguish. He makes him see what he sees, feel the pain in his own heart that God feels in his. When God's heart is stirred by his memory, he looks to move his man to be moved by what his heart is moved by. Ezekiel 37, 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me, brought me out, and the Bible says he set me down in the midst. He made him see what he sees. He made him walk all around it. He made him take it all in. And then, then, after he has this personal examination of everything, then he asks the penetrating question. Verse 3, son of man, can these bones live? Note this. God said nothing to Ezekiel while Ezekiel was walking about. He said nothing to Ezekiel when Ezekiel was walking around taking it all in. Listen to me. Let me get what I, tell you what I get out of that. It is useless to talk to somebody until they can see what you see. No sense in talking to him until he can see what God sees. Jeremiah 1 and verse 11, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Verse 13, the word of the Lord came to me a second time. What do you see? Jeremiah 24, 3, then the Lord said to me, Jeremiah, what do you see? Ezekiel 8, 6, the spirit said to me, do you see what they're doing? Amos 7, 8 and 8, 2. The Bible says the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And he said, Amos, what do you see? Zechariah 4 and verse 2, he said to me, do you see? Zechariah 5, 2, and the angel said to me, what do you see? See, sometimes men and women of God sitting in churches across America, you and me, wonder why God is silent on us. We get, we come to robo see, oh God, and God ain't speaking. We wonder, oftentimes, how come we're not hearing God like we used to hear God? Maybe, because we're not caring about what he cares about. One of the messiest little gospel messages that's ever come across the wires is the, was two of them. Just come as you are, and folks come as they are. 
It's okay to come as you are, but you can't stay that way. Nothing Jesus touched ever stayed the same. You ever get better or worse? Hello, somebody. But you're going to change. And the other... (laughs) Never mind. It's a problem, folks. I'm just telling you, it's a problem. The okay, the other one is, well, if it doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother the Lord. That's foolishness. God's, God's heart and his desires aren't contingent upon you and me. Well, I just don't care about that. So I just don't think God does. Well, seriously, what God cares about, if he's living in us at some point, it's got to begin to manifest. And if we're not caring about what God cares about, and you're more concerned about everything else, there's a problem here. Maybe we're not seeing what he sees. You know, you go to the optometrist, the optometrist puts the things on. Okay, read it. What do you see? And you say, okay, what do you see? What do you see? And they're changing all that until you can see accurately. You know, Jesus prayed for a blind man twice because the first time he prayed for him, he said, what do you see? He said, I see men that look like trees. Men don't look like trees. So he prayed for him again. Folks, it's important that you see what he sees. Maybe God's silent on us because we're not moved by what we say we see that moves him, but it don't move us. So we say we see it, but it ain't moving us like it moves him. Jeremiah 18 God said, go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my word. There I will cause you to hear. So he goes down to the potter's house and he gets down to the potter's house and as he's there, he sees the potter. He's got the potter in the wheel and the potter, he's working the clay, the clay. He sees the work. He sees the pooling. He sees this vessel being made. It is, wow, man, that's great. Wow, yeah. And it's spinning and working it, working. He sees that vessel getting marred in the hands of the potter. He sees that potter, look at this, and sees that potter rework that vessel, that clay, into another completely different vessel. And the Bible says, then the Lord spoke to him. It was after he saw all of that, after he took all of that in, after he was able to see the working, the labor, the difficulty, the challenge, the reworking, finished product that right there that right there jeremiah and then the word of the lord came to me saying can i not do to you old house of it what this potter has done listen folks this is how god operates it came after he saw what the lord needed him to see then came the word of the lord if you and i don't care about what cares about the lord it's going to be very few and far in between that we hear from him 
The Bible says Ezekiel was set there by God, set down in the midst of the valley, death valley. This is where God caused men to go into the valley where death has not only reigned and conquered many lives and destroyed many families, devastated entire communities, ruined entire cultures, where death has settled upon them so long it's no longer six feet deep and out of sight. But like our text, they're out in the open, open to the elements, visible to the eye. And anyone who has the will and the dare to look, there is death staring at us. And God, he sets his men, his women down where death has settled into cities, settled into neighborhoods, settled into communities, settled into the schoolhouses, job sites, into nations. Not to be there and take it all in and be like, wow, but no, to unsettle what they have been able to see. That being said, let me close with the gist of my sermon tonight. And that is, can God come upon you and I? Ezekiel 37 and verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me, brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh Lord God, you know. Says he caused me to see, caused me to walk around, caused me to take in death in the valley. And then he asks me, can these bones live in Arkansas? Can these bones live in Rochester? Can these bones live in Greece? Can these bones live in Syracuse? Can they live in Buffalo? Can these bones live in Cleveland? Then the short answer is to get full of pride and say, yeah. God says, can these bones live? Not without Ezekiel. Feel that for a moment. Where they lie is where they'll lie without Ezekiel. The death that is upon them is going to be upon them without Ezekiel. John Wesley said it best. He said, without God, man cannot. And without man... God will not. He has forever attached his eternal purposes and plans for all of humanity that is dead in the valley to the obedience of his men and women that say they can see. That there are entire valleys of dead nations and cities. There are lost dreams and lost families. There are lost and backslidden sons and daughters. Littering the landscape of this valley we call the United States of America. People ask me all the time, man, what everywhere I go, folks. Arkansas, what makes you want to go to Arkansas? Tell me, why Arkansas? Why not? 
They said, did God like speak to you? No, God didn't speak to me. Oh, he didn't speak to you? I didn't hear God say, son, you are going to go to Arkansas, Fort Smith, and you're going. At this point, does it even matter? Time is short and there's bones in the desert. It doesn't matter where we land. We're all together in this valley. Well, there's a lot of people in this city. There's a lot. Folks, our fellowship started in small towns. So it's not the amount of the people. It's the reality of there's bones in the desert. And I'm telling you, God needs men and women. God needs a church. God needs a couple. God needs people with eyesight that say they can see and have a heart that is compelled to move by what they say they see. I sought for a man, he says to Ezekiel. I sought for a man. Isaiah, who will go for us? Mark 5, the Gadarean demoniac, the Bible says, uh, he was crying out in the midnight hour. He's crying out. I wonder what that cry was from this man that had a legion of demons. Ah! But how did God interpret that? Let me tell you how everyone else interpreted it. Chain him up and give him a mountain. Give him an island. Put him out there in the tombs. The only one who responded to the call to salvation was the one who had a legion of demons and was crying out when everyone else couldn't hear. Ain't nobody here to preach to them. Everyone else would say they can see and everything is good. But Jesus, leave, please. The one with demons, read it, gets delivered and says, can I come with you? But the precursor to all of that was he was crying out in the night when everyone else is asleep like the church today. When everyone else closes their ear, here's one crying out. In the book of Acts, there was a man in Macedonia. That man had a message, come over here and help us. Nameless and faceless. It was a man of Macedonia. But the Bible says when Paul gets there, it was a woman that was his first convert, Lydia. It's not even man or woman at this point. It's the reality. There's death in this valley. Hello, somebody. What is he saying? Help us because death has been overtaking us and we are at the end of the rope. You know, that Macedonian man calling out is stirred by the heart of God. It wasn't stirred by Paul. It wasn't stirred by some red sauce on a pizza at late at night. No, it was stirred by the heart of God on a man named Paul that Paul wanted to go here. Paul wanted to go there. But God's heart had to move this man. It was stirred by God's desire to rescue the perishing. That man, that cry is still heard today. That cry, if it falls on deaf ears from the men and women that say they see and have an ear to hear from God, that cry will soon join the silent choir that sings but no one hears, much like the valley of dry bones in our text. And his song, you say, what is it? It's that of hopelessness, that of defeat, that of finality, that of death. Oh, my.
my brother, my sister, if we can hear that cry, God can move his man, his woman with his heart. And then we come carrying a new songbook to the choir. We have a message from the Almighty. El Shaddai, you say, what is it? Ezekiel 37, 4, 5, prophesy to the bones, say to them, dry bones, hear a word or hear the word from the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Not to every, to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. That is God's word to the man that he sends into the valley. We don't go to come with our own word. We're not there to toot toot our pastor's horn. Well, I'm telling you about my pastor. No, no, no. We're not there to go there and observe the valley, take it all in, get the bumper sticker, been there, done that. No. We are there to have a rainbow word from the living God, Jehovah God, El Shaddai. The Bible says in verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, thank God, and suddenly a rattling, bones came together, bone to bone. Then all of the sudden, all of the sudden, the song changes. There's the thunderous roar of drum rolls in the heavenlies. There's the sounds of the bones rattling together, responding to the author of life. There's the sounds of joints coming together. I kind of wonder, you know, if it's just me walking in this place, it's one thing. But it's me and a hundred people. Our quiet footsteps are amplified. It makes a sound. I wonder what that sounded like. I wonder what it sounded like when these bones started coming together and all the, just the noise of it all, just the sounds of life um, beginning to happen where death has been conquering forever. And right in the open, right in the open where death was mocking everybody, look, death, 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 right there in the open. There comes the undeniable reality of life where there was once the undeniable reality of death and thirst. Right where hell has convinced all and trained everyone in that valley to harmonize the melody of the songs of doom and death. You know, the chorus goes like this. It says it in verse 11. Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cast off. That's their song. Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cast off. And all of them are singing this, these bones in the desert. But then comes God, God moving upon a man. And that man is going to be stirred by the memory of God of each pile of bones that lies in this desert. And that man comes not with his own song like I preached last night, not with his own tune, but he's an instrument that now God is going to use in the midst of this valley. And he comes with a new tune to teach this choir. First. 
Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is thy victory? And death, where is thy sting? This is the wonder of God right here. This is the wonder of God. The powerful moving of God. And it all began in verse number one. The hand of the Lord came upon me. It all began with God giving his vision, his heart to his man. And then putting his man right in the midst of where God's heart has been moved. Can God put his hand on us tonight? Are all of your issues seriously issues? I'm not belittling our troubles and our struggles and difficulties. But if we can be set in the midst of the valley and these bones can't live without you, Are they going to live? Can God put his hand on you and I tonight? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Jesus said, I... Send you out as sheep among wolves. Wolves are carnivores. They eat meat. And they will eat all of the meat until there's nothing but bones. That's what life can be like right there. Not everyone in the valley is some wicked, ungodly, pervert, wretched individual. Life. Life. Life has the ability to clean us out and strip us down to bare bones. Bad decisions. I said it earlier in the revival, I repeat myself. Every decision is pregnant with a consequence. There's bad decisions. There's difficulties. There's just maybe our lot in life. But in the process of time, we can look over it and there's nothing left. We've been stripped down. I was 19 years old. My wife was still 17 when we got saved, but before I, I just turned 19, so I was 18, really. That is where we had already arrived, right there in the valley. Nothing left. Nothing left. 
Marriage was shot, shot. I was stripped down to the bare bones, man. Death had settled in. I'm full of anger and hate. I don't like my wife. She don't like me. So why are we together? It's constant fight, constant argument. I drive to work. I hate work. Work hates me. My solace is a cigarette. So I smoked two packs a day. I'm constantly chain, chain smoking, chain smoking. Military's threatening to kick me out. I'm suicidal. I'm full of anger, rage inside of me. There's nothing to life. My finances are being garnished. Everything is a disaster. There's no career. There's no future. There's no relationships. There's nothing. Death, death, death. And lo, my brother, my sister, it was very dry. But see, God's heart was moved. God's heart was moved and he lifted a man by the name of Stacy Dillard up out of the place where he was in Chandler, Arizona and he set him down in the midst of my valley and he made this man walk all about and he said to this man can this moon can this man can this marriage can this boy can this life live thank God that he did that was 30 years ago and I'm here to tell you today thank God that he said oh God and that man began to prophesy over the bones that are right here and because he did because he did I'm living because he took some time and prophesied thus says the word of the the Lord and began to prophesy God's word over a dead dry individual my life took shape my marriage took shape my mind took shape my soul found its father oh and though i've been rejected by everyone else i was accepted in the beloved why because one man stood in the valley and god said everything is hinging on you seeing what i see on you hearing what i hear on you feeling what i feel and if he said nah then there'd be no hope for me Because God has forever hitched his eternal plans of redemption upon man's obedience. He will not use angels. He's not going to use deer and armadillos. (laughs) He uses us. And because he does, my life has been changed and I have a new song that I sing. You know what that song is? There is victory in Jesus. I've been changed. I've been reborn. All my life has been rearranged. Can God put his hand on you tonight? Can God put his hand on you tonight? Come on, bow your heads with me. Oh, living God. Again, if I could just have the keyboard tonight. Please. Oh God.
Can God put his hand on us? Can God put his hand on us? Death Valley. Rochester. Death Valley. Folks, I can go from, Car- from Carolina all the way over to Huntington Beach, California. The I-40 it goes from Wilmington to Huntington Beach all the way across the U.S., right? In every state in between. Doesn't matter. This nation. I, there's other nations. Yes, 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 yes. I'm talking about America. I'm talking about your sphere where you work. People, people. Talking about the grocery store. Well, it doesn't have to be a scheduled outreach. I'm not talking about ministry. I'm simply talking about the heart of God being moved by his memory to where he would yearn to funnel, not necessarily all that he knows and the memory that he has concerning the bones. None of that was funneled into Ezekiel per se, but the will to do something by what God is moved by was. Can God cause us to see people that lie dead that God wants to raise up. The Bible says there was an exceedingly great army that rose, but they didn't come from other towns. They didn't get shipped in and they weren't, you know, uh, they, they weren't coming from other churches and other, no, no, no. It came from this valley that he just looked at dead. I've prayed with some people. My wife and I were probably working with somewhere between 10 and 13 people, just contractors we met, people we met at the store, people we met changing the oil in our car. I don't know. I can't say, oh, they're all, you know, going to come in and we got this. I, I, I don't know. I'm not even there. I haven't started anything yet. We just barely got our our home. It's not even together. We don't have any furniture at all. We're like missionaries we have zero nothing we gave it all away and as i sit in this city i'm sitting around and i'm looking i'm praying i'm overwhelmed like ezekiel every day i'm praying feeling that overwhelming feeling god there's so many it's a small town god you've got to give me grace and favor god give me words words put your word in my mouth oh god A genuine word comes to a man to speak to somebody. The gift of a word of knowledge. It's in a moment. It's not as though God gives everything. He gives these little snippets and we're speaking. I have no clue as to But that person does. It's, it's God being moved. And God moving his man. To be moved by what he's moved by. And this speaks into a And this person can receive such hope. And I'm telling you folks. This world. Our nation needs Ezekiel's. To see what God sees. Not just to say we see death. And we know it's there. But to be moved by God's heart.
When this happens, then it seems like everything around it, everything around that becomes an incredible possibility. My wife and I immediately made the decision. We started putting things in order, sold our home, got rid of stuff. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place where we're like teenagers all over again. We have nothing. I'm sitting in an ice cream shop, hamburger place with my wife, and I'm looking around, and I, I leaned over at my wife, and look at all these young folks here. Then all of a sudden, my wife begins reading about how the youth are crying out for something to do. There's trouble for the youth. There's drugs. There's all this stuff. And, and they're yearning, for, and my mind is going berserk. Now, I know there's other churches there. I've met some wonderful, wonderful Christian people. Thank God for them. I'm not coming to shake all their hands. But our fellowship has an answer for the brokenness of these young people that are there. It's not bring them in and teach them songs that are 100 years old. That we give them an avenue and we redirect that youth into usefulness. And all of a sudden, they get radically converted my heart began to beat and all of a sudden I began seeing and my wife and I, it's like we're hypersensitive now to all these other things that are happening that are incredible possibilities. Death, death, death. But we're stirred by the heart of God. I'm telling you folks, yes, there's a great fear. I'll be great honest, greatly honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And any man who says, oh, I'm not got no fear. Yeah, whatever. There's fear. Man, a greater man than me have went out and failed. But I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. God has to cause us to be set down in that valley. If you're not right with God tonight, why in the world would you go to hell? What in the world is there in hell worth going for? What? If you're toying with sin, why would you join those that were trying to rescue? Why would you die? Why would you cut yourself off from such greatness? God's mercy and love. Return, repent. God, forgive me. You're not right with God. This is the only appeal. I'm asking you to be honest with God as you search your heart right now. Slip your hand in the air and say, preacher, I just need God to forgive me. Come on, quickly, put it up. Put it up. God bless you. Who else? God bless you, sister. Come on. Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Very well. Come on, my brother. Bow your head, please. Just bow your head. Yeah. No, no. You can come up if you want to. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah, come up. Just kneel down right here, brother. Yeah. You raised your hand. Sincerely. Come on. Raise your hand. You look, look at me again. Were you, you raised your hand, sis. Would you come? Yeah. Sis, come on. Yeah, come on. Don't worry about it. Yeah, come on. You raised your hand. I want you to come. Come on, come on. Come on. I need one brother, two sisters, please. Please, 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 please. Two sisters. Yeah, just, just kneel. You can turn, sis. Just kneel down. Come on, brother. 
Come on, on your knees right here, my man. Yeah. Pray with him right here. Yeah. I need a sister and a sister. Please, please. Thank you. God bless you, sis. God bless you. Thank you. Father, forgive me of my sins. Church, I'm not going to re-preach this sermon. I, again, knew from the beginning that this was how I was going to end it. God had spoken that to me. I was so confident with this. And I know that I know God's speaking. The question is, are we hearing? The question is, are we hearing? Can God put his hand on you? I want you to stand all over this place. Come on, stand with me. Say, preacher, why do you make us stand? That's because you're going to have to make a decision to either sit on this conviction or come and talk to God about it at an altar where he meets man. Altar's open. You make a decision right now. If you want to sit down, that's between you and God. Come to an altar otherwise and speak to God. God, yes. God, yes. God, yes, you can put your hand on my life. Yes, God, you can put your hand on my mind. God, yes, death valley, death valley. God, yes, you can cause your memory to stir me, God, to be your man, your woman. I am not calling you into any kind of ministry. I am calling you and I to be yet again an instrument that can be used under righteousness. Let nothing hinder us from being used by God. Let nothing hinder us from being used by God. Let nothing injure God's purposes and plans. Oh God, I humble myself. God, under your mighty hand. God, that you would change me and deliver me. Scales, God, may they fall off of our eyes. God, the hardness and the callousness that can get upon our hearts. God, Break it off, God. God, let our plans not be greater than your heart's desire. Oh, God, I'm asking God, make us to be useful in the kingdom. Useful in the field, useful. God, I pray in the midst of the valley that's full of horror and brokenness. God, you would rescue the perishing, God. That our lives, um, Lord, raised before you would be lives that you would use, God, in the midst of the brokenness. That you would inspire a word in due season, God. God, that you would inspire a word that edifies and corrects and changes. Father, I thank you. Oh God, I Father, I thank you, God. God, I worship you. God, I worship you. I worship you. Oh God, oh God, help us here, God. God, your grace and your dominion and favor. God, your heart move us. God, that which is within you planted in us, God. 
God, give us dreams, dreams of purpose. God, I pray, give us dreams, God, where you are using us. God, place your word in our mouths and may we be faithful to speak, thus saith the Lord. And I pray, may we take up that oracle and speak it. And God, there, there be that suddenly moment, God, where death loosens its bands, God, and it, its grip, God, it has, has upon so many. God, where are young brothers and sisters? God, where the backslidden and the wayward father that lie in the, the, the dust of, of the valley, God, begin to get life injected into them, a word in due season that in the midnight hour that word comes through, echoes in the midnight hour, a word that would speak to those on the path that are beginning to take steps away, a word that says, no, walk this way, a word that penetrates, God, that comes from the mouth of your man, your woman in the midst of the valley. Save, rescue, heal, and redeem. Oh God, God, we love your name. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me at this altar. You stand with me all over this place and I just want to take one moment really quick let's give God praise come on worship God Father we thank you God we love you hallelujah God